0: Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman and this is episode 5 of the winter semester edition of the quarantine edition of my show. So today for the first time in many, many weeks, many months more like it, I'm not having NFL football stuff this week. To This week it's... The other sports I tend to cover so I'm gonna talk a little bit I know Champions League is today but I'm gonna talk a little bit about an international soccer tournament aka Euro 2020 just a couple thoughts there was an article on the athletic that I thought was really interesting and so I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in my last segment today I'm also gonna have a little bit of an NBA update I haven't talked basketball for a little while so we're gonna do just you know see where teams are type of thing But today, my lead, I'm going to start with the NHL North Division, also known as the All-Canadian Division. So, I'm going to start from top to bottom, go team by team on how they're doing over the last couple of weeks. So, starting with the first place Toronto Maple Leafs, there's kind of the good and the bad. So, the good is they're in first place, and their record is very impressive. 11 wins, 3 losses, and 2 overtime losses. And they're first place by a pretty healthy margin this season. So, that's the good news, is that Toronto looks like they're the best regular season team in this All-Canadian division. The problem comes from a game like what happened last night. So, last night, Toronto played Ottawa, and they had a 5-1 lead in the game. And in... In a way that only the Leafs know how to blow leads, they blew a 5-1 lead to Ottawa, lost in overtime, Dadenov with a game-winning goal for the Senators. So why is that concerning? Well, it's kind of the precedent that this Leafs team continues to set for itself. And what I mean by that is, Toronto tends to find ways to lose in games that they really have no business losing. And a perfect example came from last night. But this is not the only time this has happened. This has happened, like, more times than I think Leafs fans would care to admit type of thing over the last several, over the last few decades type of thing. And so the reason why this is concerning, right, losing to Ottawa, you know, in a one-off game on a Monday isn't really, like, that's not going to derail the Leafs' season. But it's concerning because it feels like Toronto continues to have this mental block where they continue to find ways to lose in games that they really shouldn't lose. And that's the concerning part, you know, when you're talking about a team that looks certainly like they will be in the playoffs, almost certainly in either the one seat or the two seat in this division, because play- come playoff time, this Toronto team hasn't won a single thing yet. They have lost in the opening round of the playoffs for the last several years. And if they want that to change, they need to be mentally tougher. They need to be able to close out games. And stuff like what happened against Ottawa yesterday cannot happen to a team that wants to go far in the playoffs. So the loss itself isn't concerning, but the way they lost is because it continues this trend... That has, not, that has not served the Leafs too well over the last few decades. So that's where Toronto is right now. There's the good and there's the bad with the Leafs. In second place, we have the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal's been a little inconsistent over the last two weeks. They split their games with Ottawa, which isn't great. Anytime you're dropping points against the Senators feels like it's just not good. And then... They split with Toronto, which is okay. You know, they had a home-and-home, and so that's not bad. And then they lost to Edmonton kind of in between the Toronto games. So, not great. Not awful. But the concerning part, I think, for Montreal has to be their goal scoring. Because early in the season, they really could do no wrong. They were putting the puck in the net just, you know, at will seemingly every single game. But that's not the case right now they're struggling to score goals a little bit and this is where you know having the four lines that Montreal does comes in handy because you don't need to rely on one single player every single night but not having that like superstar level player is also a little problematic because you know you have usually if you have a superstar level player that's a player you can rely on game in game out Montreal doesn't really have a player they can rely on game in game out they have some really good players like josh anderson love the way he's played this season but that's i think ultimately always going to be the concern with this montreal team is that you know the depth is amazing but do they have the star power to survive and be able to grind out results when their team is having a little trouble scoring we'll have to wait and see on that one but Anyway, not a great couple weeks, but Montreal is still in second place, still very comfortable in their positioning. Doesn't really look like they'll fall out of a playoff spot anytime soon. In third place, we have the Winnipeg Jets. So, for Winnipeg, they split the four-game set they had with Calgary, and then they split their two games with Ottawa, which isn't great. Again, anytime you're dropping points to Ottawa in this division, it doesn't seem to bode well for those teams. But they did get a very impressive 6-5 win over Edmonton last night, and so that's pretty big. They play Edmonton again, but the reason why that's important is because the Oilers are just one point behind the Jets. Granted, Winnipeg does have two games in hand, but it's still important to win those head-to-head games. So for Winnipeg, they get one more with Edmonton on Wednesday, so that'll be important for them, and then they get Vancouver right after that. So there is a little bit of a chance to get a little bit of separation from the Oilers, and kind of really cement themselves in that third place, maybe even second place position in this division. So, for Winnipeg, I think li- things are looking pretty good. I know it hasn't been all consistent for them, but I think once, because Pierre-Luc Dubois is dealing with a lower body injury right now, which, by the way, I little side note, I hate the way the NHL classifies injuries. Just tell us what it is. Like, lower body, upper body could mean 60 things. Like, I I really just... Anyway, side note aside, I really don't like the injury stuff, but I think Winnipeg's in a good position right now. If they can get the win against Edmonton on Wednesday, that'll do a ton of good for them this season. And once they get Pierre-Luc Dubois back, this could be a very scary team come playoff time. Okay, in fourth place, so just talked about them, the Edmonton Oilers. So, Edmonton is in fourth place right now. They are one point behind the Jets, but they've played two more games. And they're one point ahead of the Flames, but they've played two more games. So, it's okay. Like, it's not the best position to be in, but it's not bad. The Oilers beat Ottawa four times in a row, which was good because they took advantage of a weak opponent and cashed in on every single point they could get. And then they lost to Calgary on the Saturday Night Battle of Alberta game. And they lost to Winnipeg. And then they beat montreal so there's a few things with that number one is that the oilers defense continues to hurt this team every single game it feels like they had the three nothing shutout against montreal but the calgary game and the winnipeg game if you get better goaltending i mean they the offense did more than enough to win those games for the oilers but they're not getting the goaltending they need they're not getting the defensive play they need at all and this is you know this has been a problem for the oilers this is not a new problem this is a persistent problem that has carried over for the last couple of years and it was on full display in the bubble playoffs against chicago and it's been on full display this season and unless that gets fixed it's really hard to see the oilers going farther than maybe fourth or fifth place in this division and they also have a really important stretch coming up this is important so Edmonton gets the Jets tomorrow, like I mentioned, but then they get Calgary in a back-to-back this weekend, and then Vancouver in a back-to-back after that. So for Edmonton, if you do well during this stretch, you could very well put yourself in a very good position in a playoff spot. If they do poorly in this stretch, they could find themselves going closer and closer to Vancouver's side of the bracket rather than... The playoff side of the bracket and that's not where you want to be right now so for Edmonton the defense is still a problem but their offense can score a lot and sometimes that's enough so we'll see again really important stretch Jets tomorrow Calgary this weekend Vancouver next week they need to come away more successful than unsuccessful during those next five games okay the Calgary Flames my team so The Flames, like I said, one point behind the Oilers. They've played two less games, though, than Edmonton. They're only two points ahead of Vancouver, but, notably, they have played four less games than the Canucks have. So, this is where Calgary has been the last couple of weeks. Uh, (laughs) The answer is very shaky, because the Flames have not played that well. But Jacob Markstrom's really good. And having a good goalie sometimes means you win games that you don't deserve to win. And perfect example of that was the first game against Vancouver in this set they have. So, the Flames over the last few weeks, they split the four games that they had with Winnipeg. They beat the Oilers on the Saturday night game. And then they won. they've won two out of three games against the Canucks. And so, there's one game left to go against Vancouver in this little mini-series they have. And then they get Edmonton, of course, in the back-to-back this weekend. So for Calgary, obviously getting points is important. But it hasn't been all bad result-wise. It's just performance-wise, there's a lot to be worried about. And one of the big things that I'm concerned about is the lack of depth now that injuries have started to kick in. Because Derek Ryan is out with his injury. He's on long, he's on the long-term injury reserve. And Michael Backlund just got hurt in the Saturday game against Vancouver. So, Calgary's a little light when you're talking about options on that fourth line and, you know, center options. And I know they reunited the Lucic-Bennett-Dube line, which played really well against the Canucks yesterday. But it's still something that is a little concerning as far as, you know, they don't have a ton of center depth anymore. Hopefully, Backlund's injury is just short-term, but again, the NA, it's the NHL. The NHL, the way they handle injuries is beyond stupid, and so they say Backlin is day-to-day, but I can't trust that. I don't know if that's true or not, because the team, you know, like teams lie all the time about these injuries for the NHL, so I can't trust that whatsoever. But Calgary does have a silver lining in their little schedule of theirs, because... Calgary is the only team in the division that hasn't played Ottawa yet. And Ottawa, of course, is last place in the NHL. They have four wins, 12 losses, and one overtime loss. And so Calgary gets to play Ottawa a whole bunch coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So in that sense, it's good because Calgary gets a chance to pick up some points from an easy opponent. The key being they have to win those games. You cannot lose those games to Ottawa. So there's good. There's bad, and that's kind of usually how the Flames season tends to go. Okay, sixth place, we have Vancouver. Now, this is where the panic button has been pressed so many times that at this point, I mean, it's been broken at least six or five, six or seven times. Like, Vancouver, it's a full-on panic. And I realize, if you look at the points, it's not, you know, the end of the world. There are three points behind the Oilers for fourth place. But they've played so many more games than everybody else. And their record just has not been good. Their play over the last few weeks has been awful. They lost five in a row, two to Montreal and three to Toronto. And now they've lost two out of three against Calgary. So... Yeah, things are not going well for this Vancouver team. They are in a very, very dangerous spot right now because... They get Edmonton next week, they have Winnipeg, of course, coming up, and if Vancouver doesn't do well against the Oilers and the Jets, we might see them drop too far out of a playoff spot. Like, they might not be able to catch up from that big of a deficit. So Vancouver very much in a panic situation, and they should be. Ottawa! Well, you know, they're here. They're trying. They've won two games against the Leafs, which is, you know, amazing that they can say that. But in all reality, again, Ottawa's season was never really about winning games this year. It was about development in young players. That's what this season was about. It was never about winning games. They were never going to make the playoffs. And so, you know, in that sense, I think it's a little bit stress-free if you're an Ottawa Senators fan because you can just focus on, you know, Beating the Leafs and trying to, you know, get some good production out of your young players. So, that's kind of my takeaway on the Senators. They're just, you know, they're in the vying for another top draft pick this year. So, there's nothing too surprising about that. Okay, that's it for my NHL stuff. On to the NBA stuff. So, quick little update on the NBA side of things. I'll start in the Eastern Conference. It looks like we've gotten a little bit of separation at the top. So Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn look like they're the three best teams in the East right now. Those three teams look like the ones that could potentially win the conference. And it's really not that surprising because Joel Embiid has been fantastic for Philadelphia. He's an MVP candidate right now. Ben Simmons has been exceptional this season in his role. Seth Curry has done wonders for the spacing on this Sixers team. Milwaukee is still really good. You know, Drew Holiday makes them better than where they than where they were a year ago. And the Nets have the most exciting yet, you know, most potentially explosive big three in the league with Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. We'll see whether or not the three of them will work come playoff time. But those three teams seem to be the class of the Eastern Conference right now. Boston, I don't I don't love Boston's team because it feels like Boston had a pretty good team last year, and then they lost Gordon Hayward for nothing, and they're kind of the same team otherwise, so there's not really a lot to like with the Celtics. To me, Boston feels like a second-round exit right now, and maybe that'll change as the season goes on but I really don't like what I'm seeing out of the Celtics. As far as other notables in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, for some reason, are still in a playoff spot. This still, you know, is a little hard to understand for me, but the Knicks are sixth place. Granted, they have 14 wins and 15 losses, so they have more losses than wins, but the Knicks are still in a playoff spot, and I think... A ton of credit has to go to head coach Tom Thibodeau, who's done an exceptional job with this team. And I don't know if they'll stay in the playoff spot by the time we get to the end of the season, but this has to be looked at already as a a successful New York Knicks season. Meanwhile, other notables, the Toronto Raptors are in 8th place. They have rebounded a little bit from their awful start to the season. I expect Toronto to be in a playoff spot. But it's pretty obvious that without Ibaka and without Gasol, this Raptors team is nowhere near as good as they were a year ago. And so, you know, will the Raptors be a playoff team? Probably. But should we expect them to make a deep playoff run this year? No, we really shouldn't. But for Toronto, it's more about, you know, development and trying to replace some really good players that ended up leaving and so the raptors i still think are overall in an okay spot as a franchise right they got van vliet locked up but siakam's gotta gotta do better he seemingly has just lost his confidence i think after what happened in the bubble in the playoffs and i really hope that's not a sign of things to come because the raptors do need more out of pascal siakam in order to be successful in the long term And then the other notable in the East is the Miami Heat. Miami obviously made the NBA Finals this past year, and they have 11 wins and 16 losses. They're sitting in 10th place. Not great. Not great at all. The Heat still have good players, but it's pretty obvious that there's a little bit of a hangover from what happened in the playoffs. And so do I think Miami will turn it around? Probably. But this team needs to find their touch. They need to find their confidence. They need to find their rhythm again because it has not been there for them this season. Okay, on to the Western Conference. So, a couple quick notables about the West. I'll start with the big story, the Utah Jazz. Now, Utah has been a you know perennial playoff team here the last couple of years, but I don't think anyone saw what they've done this season coming. Because the Jazz are 23-5 and on the season. They look like a legit championship contender. So credit to Utah, first of all. But I mean, this team, Jordan Clarkson looks like the sixth man of the year. Donovan Mitchell looks like he's taken another step. Rudy Gobert looks like he's taken another step in his development. And Mike Conley finally looks comfortable with this team. Utah's a really good basketball team. And I know Utah might not have the individual star power that some of the other teams in the Western Conference have, but watch out for this Utah team. They look legit. So that's definitely the biggest story. The next notable is the Lakers, not because they're playing badly, but because of the health of one of their superstars, also known as Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is dealing with an Achilles injury right now. And, well, that's concerning. Now, the good news is it's, you know, an Achilles strain. It's not anything more than that right now. But this is the fear if you're the Lakers right now, is you have to be really careful with this Anthony Davis thing. Because if that Achilles injury gets worse, or, God forbid, and, you know, obviously, knock on wood, you really hope nothing happens, but... If there was a serious injury in that part of the body, the Lakers would be screwed and be completely eliminated from any title contention. So they got to be really careful with this Davis thing. Other notables from the West, San Antonio is doing really well this season and a, I think a surprise to a lot of people, but credit credit to a great organization in the San Antonio Spurs continuing to do well. The Dallas Mavericks have bounced back a little bit, but continued to be plagued by a lack of three-point shooting issues and lack of general ability to do anything on offense outside of Luka Doncic. So we'll see how that goes. And then the other notable is the New Orleans Pelicans are doing really bad this season. And there is a little bit of a question mark in regards to Zion Williamson, because Zion obviously has a ton of potential. But there is a little bit of a concern about what he's going to be like going forward, you know, defensively. Because at times this season, he looks like a complete liability on that end of the floor. And in order for him to reach that superstar potential, he cannot be a liability on the defensive side of the floor. Not consistently, anyway. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But that's my NBA stuff. My final segment today, Euro 2020. So... I know it's 2021 but they're technically still calling it euro 2020 but i wanted to talk about this because there was an article i saw on the athletic that i thought was really interesting because the way the tournament is supposed to work is that there are 12 host cities across europe amsterdam baku bilbao bucharest budapest copenhagen dublin glasgow london munich rome st petersburg those are the 12 cities that are supposed to host this tournament. COVID is making this really logistic, logistically problematic right now, for obvious reasons. And so, the article that was on The Athletic, and it goes into a ton of detail, and I recommend you read it if you have a subscription, but it basically proposed that if the Euros have to move to one country in the interest of logistics and safety, the United Kingdom is probably the one to move to. And my thoughts on it are, number one, I don't want this tournament to change if it's possible, because I love the idea of 12 different host cities. I love the idea of multiple countries getting to host this thing. But I realize that, you know, my optimism is not indicative of the COVID situation. And so because of that... The UK is probably the best option if they have to move it to one site. It would kind of suck because, again, I've been waiting for this tournament for years. And when Finland qualified, I mean, that just made it so much better for me. But I really like the 12-host city idea. And it would suck to have to pull the plug on that because of the virus. But I realize, you know, again, the, the tournament organizers don't call the shots. The virus calls the shots on this. But the UK would be well-placed because France just hosted the Euros. I don't think they'd want to do it again. Germany is set to host the 2024 Euros, and I don't think they want to put it in Russia considering the way they've handled the virus. So with that in mind, the UK is probably the safest option as a single-site location. And, you know, in reality, we're probably not going to get full stadiums, and I think that... Is something that everyone is coming to the realization of but the UK has the stadiums the UK has the training facilities to be able to host all the teams and that's you know not my choice but ultimately if that's what it comes down to I fully understand that and I would support that because this tournament needs to happen not just because it's the only time Finland's ever made a major international tournament but I just love international soccer, and as someone who is not excited about the World Cup in Qatar for a laundry list of reasons, Euro 2020 is what I've been looking forward to for the last couple of years, so that is pretty much that. Thank you so much for listening in this week. Like I said, next week I'll have Champions League review of the round of 16 leg ones. I'll also have the beginning of my NFL off-season preview, so you can look forward to that. But once again, to everybody out there, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe.